Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi, everyone. Hi. I hope everyone's having a lovely week. Me too. I mean, <laughs> I hope I'm having a lovely week. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course. I hope but you're I hope all our, I hope I hope all of you guys who are listening are having um a really lovely week. It's finally a little bit sunny here, so I'm hoping that that means that spring is on its way and we're out of the coldest months, but we shall see. Yes. Yes, time will tell, I suppose. <laughs> How cool does it feel to be like in March already? I can't believe it's March. It's amazing. Oh, oh man. I feel time like it's been flies. such a big year already. <laughs> I know. Gosh. God, time just flies. So what have you been reading lately, Michelle? I really focused on reading the books on my unread shelf because, um, you know, I'm doing the unread bookshelf challenge again. Um, mm-hmm. And the challenge was to read a book gifted to you so I read Beauty by Brie Lee because thank you you gave that to me for Christmas yeah I did so amazing like I just I can't even comprehend how intelligent it is like oh so good right so good I had to keep reading bits of it again or I would be like you know I know like just because I had to keep reading it again because I was like this is this is so clever and just mm. so beautiful as well. So I'll probably read that again before I eventually do a little review on Instagram because it was just so good. But also, if anyone's not familiar with it, it's an essay. So it's quite a short read. It's only a few hours. Uh, and then every other book that I read this month was from my bookshelf. Um, so I also finally read Transcription by Kate Atkinson. And that was one that I kept seeing on Bookstagram. But to be honest, I was like, oh, it sounds like her stuff sounds a bit too literary for me. So it's probably not really my thing. But I read the blurb of this and it's a World War Two sort of spy thrillery sort of thing. Ooh. And. Yeah, yeah, you know I love right up your alley. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is really literary, and it's really hard to describe because it sort of switches between the 1950s and the 1940s. So after the war and during the war, and it's it did take me a while. Jack asked me when I started reading, he's like, "What's this one about?" And I was like, "I don't really know yet," because I was sort of yeah. But once I got into it, I was really hooked on what was happening. But it's hard to explain. So. I definitely want to read more Kate Atkinson now. And then the other one was another short story called All My Friends Are Superheroes by Andrew Kaufman. And it's really bizarre, but also really beautiful. And it's like everybody has superpowers, but the superpowers are actually just like ordinary personality traits. It's really, it's really hard. Yeah. Like it's, it's really weird, but also just absolutely brilliant. So like the guy, in it is the only one of his friends that doesn't have superpowers but the superpowers are things like there's like the perfectionist and the stress bunny and like all that so it's like it's just that's so cute yeah it's just like ordinary personality traits um I guess like to the max really yeah yeah it kind of reminds me I 
cannot remember properly, but I think one of the short stories in um, Underdog was about kind of. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna say he was waiting yeah, I'm gonna for say his like, superpowers. Yeah, I think it was like just it like was... normal powers, or it was like you know people who some people had really cool powers and some people had like shit powers, like just always <laughs> getting a green light. Or yeah. something. Was yeah, that it? that's right. Yeah. yeah. And it was like I don't am remember I remembering it correctly was. that that one was like they were waiting in like a department of transport sort of thing, but to be tested on their power, to be like official that that's their power or something. Yeah, yeah. I think they had to do that. Yeah. And there was like support groups for people who hadn't gotten their powers yet. Yes, exactly. Um, and then the other book that's I guess similar in some ways, but different in others is the Patrick Ness book um is it some is it called some of us just live here and it's like the the, the oh, people who don't have yeah I haven't read it but the one where it's like you know some crazy thing is happening and it's like just it's the, the ordinary people in, yeah the kind background of like, characters um, this is also we're going on a bit of a tangent here but this is also reminding me of Puff's the play is about like the other Hufflepuff students in Harry Potter's year at Hogwarts. So they're just like there doing school. And then then it's like, and Harry Potter saves the day. And they're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> and there's there's those cartoons that people share online that are like life of a background Slytherin or yeah, life of, yeah. they're little, little cartoon strips <laughs> that someone does that are really clever. Yeah, I really like those. Oh, untapped yeah. oh, market there. Fun. Like just, Totally. Yeah. <laughs> recommendations for book so I think if you liked I've, I haven't read the Patrick Ness book but maybe all my friends yeah. are superheroes is something that you could check out it's a it's a little short story novella thing um so I just read it on a train trip it's it's very good very well written cool yeah yeah I um my reading recently um I read um, I've just finished reading The Gravity of Us by Phil Stamp- Stamper. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's right, yes. Um, so that is one is publishing very, very soon um, from Bloomsbury. And I'm sure you've seen the cover on Instagram, Michelle, as I'm sure everyone has. It's, like, about a teenager who they're doing, like, a new space program in the U.S. And so then, like, his his he does – like videos online and he wants to be a journalist and you know all these things and he's from New York and then his dad gets chosen as one of the new astronauts and so they have to move to Texas and it's like space and media and a love story and it's family it's it's so good that sounds so cool and what a cool concept as well for a YA novel yeah I know it's great it was very so clever. good yeah um and the other one I read um, re- very recently that I really, really loved and I just, I'm going to keep talking about it forever so I do want to mention it quickly is Phosphorescence by Julia Baird which is publishing at the end of the month and, oh my god, it's so good. It's about, it's non-fiction and it's about, you know, finding awe in everyday things and like what like sustains you as like a human being you know like nature and all those like little things I'm explaining it quite badly but it's beautiful oh wow 
That sounds amazing. I've not read any of Julia Bird's nonfiction, although her previous nonfiction novel, novel, her previous nonfiction book, Victoria, was very critically acclaimed. Yeah. Very highly recommended. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's the most beautiful book. Wait till you see, like, photos of the final version and stuff, Michelle. It's so beautiful. Wow. Anyway. Um, and funnily enough, with those two sort of not being quite released yet, but very exciting, um, my recent watching thing, I'm quite late to the party, sort of. Um, I've been watching Chia on Netflix. Yeah, I really need to watch that. (laughs) Yeah, I think you would really like it. And it's funnily enough, like I know... It got really crazy like right after it came out and I don't know how people watched it kind of all in one go. Like so much happened in every single episode that I really had to sort of break them up and like Mm. to remember what was happening and, um, you know, watch it. But, God, it was so good. I honestly, knowing barely anything about cheerleading, I think anyone who has ever been on like done a team activity, a team sport, you know, even like being in the cast of a musical, which we have both done, there were like so many things about, you know, training and then doing like their, you know, like their dress rehearsals or full outs or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then like leading up to the competition or the performance or whatever the final thing is for it then to be over, over forever. Mm. was there were so many things that I was thinking oh this reminds me of musicals or this reminds me of Ariel or or I'm sure like this is what it must feel like you know when like football season is over and like all those things Mm. you know it was just such a like a sport thing and like the team thing it was really really good but I've also heard people say it's just like really uplifting as well so it's not like you have to be interested in sport to watch it no, definitely not, mm. because it is very uplifting and, like, all the little characters, um, you know, like from the coach and some of the cheerleaders and stuff like that are so wonderful. And, like, even if you haven't watched Cheer, have you seen any of the videos of one of the cheerleaders? Um, his name is Jerry, and he, like, when they were on Ellen, he was so great and everything, and then Ellen sent him to the Oscars. No. And, like, everyone on the Oscars red carpet was like, oh, my God, it's Jerry from Cheer. And he's like, oh. you're Brad Pitt. You know, like. <laughs> That's it was so, so cute. It was so cute. That's so sweet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely watch that this month. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be. I think that will be one of my daytime shows. Now Love Island is over. Yeah. I need something to fill my void of what I'm watching during like the week. week lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the other thing is I need stuff that I can put on while I'm working that's not super distracting but is still interesting. Yeah. Especially if I'm and just probably doing knowing you, it would be a good background show for you, I think. Yeah. Like I mean when I'm doing stuff like editing or you know, stuff that is like you don't have to pay full attention to it. Yeah, just like so have something do, in the background. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've I've sort of run out of 
those sorts of shows really because a lot of the stuff I go through and I'm like no Jack wants to watch that too no that no I want to pay attention to that so but um one thing that Jack and I have been watching and absolutely loving is sex education oh yes I haven't watched that yet either but yeah you'll love it it. yeah I will won't I (laughs) so so gorgeous yeah you're gonna you're gonna just it's so funny and clever but I just can't get over the fact that Maeve, um, the main girl who's in it, looks exactly like Margot Robbie. Oh, I know. It's the weirdest it's thing. It's so weird. Like, even watching the trailer, I'm like, Margot? No. I know. Like, it's so weird. 100% her doppelganger. It's so yeah. freaky. But it's I see why it's so funny. Everyone over here is obsessed with it. When season two came out, it's all my friends were talking about. And I was like, right, I have to get on this. I have to watch it. And yeah, it's really wonderful. Oh, so good. Yeah, another recommendation for it. I'm going to have to get around to it. Mm. Tell you what, you watch Cheer in March and I'll watch Sex, sex Education in Deal. March. Deal. Deal. All right. <laughs> I guess we better get along to this interview then. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think everyone's going to enjoy this. Me too. We certainly did. Our guest this week holds a PhD in young adult fiction, first class honours in English literature and a postgrad certificate in education. So it will come as no surprise that we're talking to her today about her debut young adult novel. She has also spent years trying to understand her own neurodiversity and this is something that she explores in that novel. Welcome to Banner Words, Anna Wheatley. Thank you. Hello. It's so nice to have Hi. you. Hi. <laughs> This is so international. I love it. (laughs) Three time zones again because you're in Brisbane and Caitlin's in Sydney and has daylight savings. So technically three time zones. Uh, Technically. It's excellent. (laughs) The wonders of technology. Yes. It's really good. It's really good. We're so grateful to technology that you could join us, Anna. Um, (laughs) So let's start by talking about your novel, Peter Liars Rating Normal. Can you tell us a little bit about it? As we said to you just before, we're very excited that it's set in Brisbane. So tell us all about it. Yeah. Ah, well, it's about Peter Liars. She's 16 and she goes to, uh, she does high school at a TAFE college, which is what I did for year 11 and 12. And mm-hmm. she's obviously neurodivergent, like myself, and queer. Anyway, she falls in love and she goes on the school ski trip and things start to fall apart because she is really very good at following all the social rules and she hears those rules and you see you experience them with her from the very beginning of the book um, telling her what to do and how to behave but when she goes on the ski trip everything starts to become a lot more difficult because the rules don't make a lot of sense when you actually try and follow them all and then (laughs) it does all kind of fall apart and it goes a bit crap so I shouldn't say it with a smile on my face but uh, but yeah but it it um it does all turn out well and I have to say that because I think that the readers of this book deserve good endings that's just something Mm. I believe (laughs) yeah so I think what's 
quite interesting, <laughs> quite funny and ironic is that she goes to the snow and currently yeah. it is snowing where I am. Oh, so no just, way. It feels quite appropriate. <laughs> That's so cool. I, lo- I have a complete obsession with snow. I'm, oh, me I'm, and snow and ice absolutely love it and I live in Brisbane so it is a little bit strange (laughs) well I mean yeah the first time I ever saw snow was like two or three weeks ago in Nottingham and I was at my co-working club and I went away for a meeting with a client and I walked out of the cafe and I just like looked at him and I was like is that snow and he's like yeah it is and he was just laughing at me and I was like oh my god it's snowing and I don't even remember I can't even remember if I've talked about this on the podcast but I base I went back to my co-working club and they were all just there like we were waiting for you we're so excited how happy are you right oh, now like that's I was, so good oh, they were all and just, did you they was were, it actually falling yeah like, oh, so it was, it was actually did you look yeah. up this is the weirdest thing did you look up into the sky when it was falling not really I'm not not Try really it. I was like this is amazing, but it was like proper oh. big fat flakes of snow. Aww. Today it's very little, like it's not settling, it's it's melting as soon as it hits anything. Yeah. It's just it looks a bit like rain, but that was amazing. And it kept snowing for about 40 minutes and it properly like was covering the ground. We're on the third floor, so it was covering the rooftops. And I just kept looking around. I was Aww. like, how are you guys working? Like I can't concentrate. I I'm so excited <laughs> right now. And a couple of them were like, really you've never seen snow like ever like what about winter in Australia and I was like I mean maybe uh, in like some parts but I'm from the yeah. tropics <laughs> yeah, yeah. not so, where we're from not yeah in the woods <laughs> it's just it was just it's still and it's just like I was talking to Caitlin an hour ago and I was like right I'll ring you back when it's when it's time for the podcast and stuff and like 10 minutes later I was like texting her going it's snowing now it's like it's just snowing. <laughs> doesn't make I, sense. it never gets it never gets boring like I don't yeah. think I'll ever and I've lived in near the snow I've had you know I've seen a lot of snow but I will never lose that feeling of <gasps> it's snowing there's yeah, something like it's, so magical it's so, so child like childlike just the feeling I have is like yeah. so and you know the best thing, I, I, obviously, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, everyone, but you'll appreciate <laughs> it. But the best thing about moving overseas to somewhere with seasons, and you'll know this being in Brisbane as well, but there aren't really seasons in Queensland. And so to move somewhere where the leaves start to fall and... I know. You, Autumn. It, yeah. It and just, spring. That to me real is... Spring. It's... I, I literally walking walking to town, like with a huge grin on my face like I probably yeah. look like everyone else is like what the hell is she on because it's miserable <laughs> and raining and gross and no. I will say the days being so short did start to get to me after a while but I still was like how is it dark at 3 p.m like I am amazed I know. and today I woke up and I was like it's 6 30 and it's it's light outside like this, this is the first uh-huh. time this week. Like, it just amazes me how quickly everything changes. And, yeah, like you said, spring, I've just noticed because yeah. this is our first spring over here, the last few weeks, uh, I'm like, there's actually daffodils. just daffodils just yeah, in the ground. Going to York. Oh, oh, the daffodils in York are amazing. And, and then, yeah, and just, it starts to feel like Kelly Cubby <laughs> land. Yeah. 
I mean, just the fact that I was like, you can just get daffodils for a pound in the supermarket. Like in Australia, I've only ever bought them for Daffodil Day. And I paid yeah. a huge price for them, you know. Like it's, I just, yeah, it's not the same as like seeing them kind of bob around really weird yeah, <laughs> in the wild. Like, just the fact that they're just starting to sprout up and I'm like, oh, they're just everywhere. Like the what? Yeah. I didn't I didn't I know, know that this was the thing. Like it just and tulips as well. We've got tulips now oh, too. Um oh, I love tulips. I haven't seen them in the wild yet, but like just the fact that the the flower bouquets you get even in Tesco are so seasonal Tesco (laughs) it's been a long it's been a while it's been a while it's so funny because I said I said Woolies the other night and everyone was like laughing at me because they're all used to Woolworths being like a stationary store (laughs) and I was like oh yeah you know you go into Woolies or Coles and like it's to them it's so weird that even to my ears I was like oh it's weird to say that because it's just Sainsbury's and you Tesco now. You haven't said it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Dundee once as a, you know, I was a teenager and I remember telling them this story about how I was in the spa in my togs. And so firstly they didn't know what togs were and I was like, oh, no, it's a swimsuit. And then they're like, and you went into the spa. And I'm like, yeah, where else? They're thinking spa the shop. Oh, you know, it's like a cor- yeah. corner store. And I think they are actually in Australia now, but they just got completely lost about this fact that I was walking wow. into the local store in my swimsuit. <laughs> anyway, also so not I out of place love... in Australia. Yeah, yeah like, it's walking happening. around in your homes is totally fine. <laughs> Will happen on the Gold Coast, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, it's it's so it's just so funny and bizarre, and I guess. In some ways, like I'm going to try and make a segue here. I guess in okay, some well. ways that is the sort of feeling that you express through Peter in the book at her, um, I guess, learning all these social rules that just don't come naturally to her and seem like a whole other world. But for a lot of people are their version of normal. I think I did that yeah. segue pretty well. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was swift. I wasn't sure if you were going to go by the snow there or you were going to go by the, the well, rules. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. yeah, we started with the snow, but yeah, the the, the rules. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that and how that idea of normalcy sort of is scattered throughout the book? Because like you said earlier, we are on that journey with Peter. We're really in her head and starting to see the world maybe differently to how we've always believed everyone saw it. Yeah, or it's more just making it a conscious thing. So it's the things that Mm. other people do without thinking about it. It's the idea that if you actually play out what you have to do, um, it becomes overwhelming. And when you've had the rules given to you explicitly, which often happens, so, you know, the minute if your kid's diagnosed uh, autistic, ADHD, they're like, oh, we should get into social, make sure we have social training. And I'm not saying that's all bad. The point was that I was exploring what that means through the books Mm. I was thinking what if you get that social training and it works and it's all you get it all right so that's what I did so Peter does she gets all everything right she's the perfect social being just that they wanted her to be but it has a huge cost and that is we see her breaking down basically um but yeah the the book makes it overt so things that like right now I'll be thinking I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, make sure you're at the right distance from the microphone. Make sure you don't talk too much on one point. Make sure you don't. And all those little things that we do um, in every interaction 
in terms of whether you're smiling, whether you remember to show physical response to what people are saying in your movements. I'm waving my hands right now, by the way. Physical <laughs> response yeah, to me. what you're doing. Yeah. So it's those sorts of things, but it's having them laid out on the page. And for Peter, they're playing in her head. And they were given to her really explicitly and through multiple sources, not just through uh, therapists, but also there are so many books that you're given um, the secret rules, you know, of society. And then also just you're given the rules by when people give you a glance as if to say that wasn't a good idea or, you know, that look, which just means you're just weird. Like there's that expression. I don't even know a name for it Mm. (laughs) where people are basically going, I have no idea what you just did or and all those little things teach you okay don't do that oops that was wrong oh no I should have done this oh I'm supposed to do that and it's absolutely exhausting to maintain all the time and we call it masking so it's behaving um and by we I kind of I I shouldn't do that I'm referring to the autistic community but I don't speak for them (laughs) I speak from (laughs) the autistic from within the community and yeah so you've probably heard of masking before but um and I don't think it's something Peter, a term Peter would use explicitly like that because it's, um, it's, she'd be a bit young to kind of be getting into all that. But um, hopefully um, the awareness of what that is and what that means will grow because I think that would be helpful. Mm. So how much of those experiences and those rules and the things that Peter sort of talks about in the book Um, is based on your own experience. How much have you put into the book? Ah. Um, Well, the way she thinks is very much the way I think, and I think that's what voice is. You know, if we say own voices, well, you're leaning on, on a shared experience of life to claim own voices. So Mm. I think that, and everyone I know who is on the spectrum, who's read the book has actually kind of come at me and just gone oh my god because it's this idea of how you think and knowing that someone else is actually going through that um I don't know if that was helpful but it happened anyway but in terms of her experiences and things a lot of it as I said I put her in the same school I sent her on a ski trip I went on a ski trip there were a few shared experiences there as well but the difference is being I'm not like Peter in a lot of ways so she's more I guess Mm. like a mixture between what I am in my own mind rather than how I appear to other people um I think she's probably smarter than me she's got uh she's much more sensible because and she's uh been diagnosed and has medication and things and I never had any of of that so she necessarily was different in how she behaves and how she thinks because of those experiences um and I think and I wanted to show what that was like to be taking medication and what that does because I haven't really read positive or any representation, I don't know, I didn't do a book review of ADHD medication in young adult fiction. There we go. Um, but I wanted that to be in there because I think that was important. And it's and she takes the same medications I do. So that was because I had to make it authentic. And I actually just don't know the details of what it's like to take a different one. Mm. Um yeah. So I think that's yeah. so important. I mean, it, it was it's funny that you mentioned that because I haven't read many positive experiences of medication as well. Um, mm. And I take medication for my anxiety and I not mm. not that long after I started it and it changed my life in so much. Like, 
I, it's so wonderful. And I realize I'm very, very lucky and privileged to have found something that works straight away. And the secret for me was that my mum is exactly the same as me and we take the same medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I could say, hey, should I try this? This is what works for my mum. But not long after I started taking it, I read a book called, it's by Sarah Bernard, um, A Quiet Kind of Thunder. And Mm. in that, she starts taking medication for anxiety and has, like, that, that was probably the first time I'd ever seen it represented in a positive sense or represented as a, a genuine way that, um, you could, you could look at your problems like that. Like it it wasn't just cancelling or it wasn't the last resort. It was a a valid option. And I do think that's something that's important to discuss in books as well, especially young adult books, because it's probably something you don't really realise until you're an adult. (laughs) So I was probably, I think I was 23 when I started taking medication and it just would have been so much better for me if I'd, sort of had that realization earlier in the in the books I was reading yeah. when I was younger yeah and to not be afraid of it my and my daughter I have a teenage daughter who was taught and her in her high school they teach about mental health but the teacher also mentioned that oh gosh if you go on medication you'll never go off it and it's terrible to come away from and said some really negative things I was really upset about yeah. that um yeah. and luckily my daughter knows better than that and she knows I'm quite open about it uh, what I take and why, because there is a genetic component to whether or not you're, um, you know, experience anxiety and depression. And you can't mm. medicate autism, but you can medicate um, for ADHD and for anxiety and depression. And it's huge. I mean, the the statistics are horrific for uh, young adults who are neurodivergent, where I think it's 66% were found to have had suicidal thoughts um, and the rates of depression and anxiety are huge. And if they're di- if the kids are diagnosed and properly treated, like counselled and medicated, so the best results are with both counselling and medication together. Mm. And if you have all of that and you find one that works for you because they don't always work for everyone and we understand that, but those uh, rates of depression and anxiety in adulthood plummet um, and the results are really good. So even though it's not always an easy ride and it's not always perfect, getting diagnosed can potentially <laughs> be a really good thing. And I can't say that as a blanket statement because mm-hmm. it certainly isn't yeah. that way for everybody. Um, yeah. But there's and the potential that, there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, was that your experience that it really helped you to have that and to be able to to start to work on things? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I had none of this when I was younger at all I mean I'm old so that's okay <laughs> so that's fine we could talk about the olden days but when I was and initially I was misdiagnosed uh, as bipolar which is really really common for women with ADHD and in fact so many especially on Twitter whenever someone says oh I was misdiagnosed you just find hundreds of people chiming in saying me too me too me too because the first jump to is a mood disorder um, but then finally realized that that there was ADHD there and of course the medications for bipolar didn't work at all and the medications Mm. for ADHD worked instantly and then but then there was something more and I knew there was something more and I hadn't quite figured it out Um, and then I wrote Peter Liar and I actually I wrote it just 
being slightly uncomfortable that I was in my mind claiming this is an own voices book thinking of the ADHD that was my first port of call when I started writing it and depression anxiety and all of that and then I thought but I'm not autistic so am I claiming I didn't know enough about own voices at the time for the Mm. details about about all that but I read it back to myself and thought I think there's something going on here Anna and so I went and sought a diagnosis which I got quite swiftly um so without the book, I may not have ever done that. And I'm so glad I did because you find That's a amazing. community. Yeah. And that is amazing. I can't see. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's done a really good job there. And I mean, yeah. imagine, imagine if, like, how would you feel if, you know, a, a teenage reader came to you and said, this made me realise that maybe I should ask for help or maybe, you know, it's mm. not my fault or, yeah, it yeah. made me look at things differently. Like how would you feel if, if someone said that to you? I have had that already. Oh, wonderful. And it's With, not even officially oh, published yet. No. Oh. Well, no. And, and an adult reader um, who's then been seeking diagnosis, um, I can't tell you whether that was a good thing for her or not, but. And also a lot of parents reading who mm. read through the process of publication and through all the other readers that have to read a book. I had no idea how many people read a book before it comes out. <laughs> it's quite amazing, really. Yeah, it's um, a lot of people. It's, I know. it's a lot. <laughs> and here and you I are mean, thinking. And if, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, um, so I was one of the readers as well because our yeah. lovely friend of the show, Danielle, uh, is yeah. your agent and I had asked her for a little bit of editing experience while I was studying editing. And she said, I've got some manuscripts you can read here. And, um, you know, just let me know your thoughts and stuff. And I didn't have many thoughts apart from, wow, this is amazing. I don't think that oh, much what? needs to be changed. <laughs> so, I think that it's, yeah. has made my life getting – and I'm pretty sure it was your review who who's saying about – bursting on the page with technicolor and all these lovely things I had never read anything like that about something I'd written before because I had actually never given this to anyone before so I mm. I when I gave it to Danielle she was my first full reader I'd given it to one person who would never have given me an honest opinion because she loves me so that's cheating basically <laughs> yeah so, um, yeah a lovely colleague yeah. of mine but um from uni it's actually- but it's can I jump in here? Can you just tell us, like, the sort of whole story, journey to publication, getting Danielle to read it and everything? Start from the beginning. Are you sure? Because this is one of those things just like, how long do you want me to take? I'll say, rush me on. If, they, if, you, if you start going tick, 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 I'll know I need to, to read it up. Fair it's enough. Not it's we not love that these it's stories. Not... Oh, well, mine's probably – I always feel a bit guilty whenever I have to – talk about it because it's not the usual author journey where people who've struggled who've been writing their whole lives um which wasn't me I mean I wrote a lot as a teenager and as a child but it was so shat on that I basically stopped because it just wasn't it was only ever written for me or my English teacher and it was me and that English teacher who appreciated it and that's where it stopped my family's scientific and they're just not interested and it it was always a something that I hid away you know and I went on to study books but 
and I spent 20 years researching literature and then eventually young adult literature, but I never thought I would write any of my own um, mm-hmm. until I was – a friend of mine asked me to help edit her daughter's book that she'd written and I said no for about six months and then they were really persistent that she'd written this amazing book. I had to help edit it. And I was like, I do not know how to edit. And, of course, I hadn't been diagnosed at the time, but can you imagine me as a beta reader? So I – not knowing how to do that. So she gave me the book and I started at the first sentence with track edits and <laughs> I went and I went through and just tore the thing to shreds. I was horrible. I didn't know. I'm used to editing academic work, which there's no niceness around that. No one says anything nice. Yeah. You just get criticised the whole way through. And that's just <laughs> what you do. Yeah, it's fine. So I did this this poor person who I'm very lucky still speaks to me. Um, in the end, we just kind of abandoned that mission because I got completely obsessed with why it didn't work and I needed to know why it didn't work. And I'm a bit of a puzzle addict. It's one of my special interests, I think. Um, I'm sitting here. I've got about 20 jigsaws behind me in their boxes. And so the, but the narrative just felt like this giant puzzle and I had never read an unpublished book. And so I didn't know what it what was wrong, like why it wasn't working, because I'd never read anything that didn't work, because everything that's published has already been through a whole process. So then my obsession with trying to understand that, then and then my son had to write something for school. And I said, no, 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 we can do this. You know, and I tried to show him, like, we had to write one first chapter, and then he had to do editing. So I was like, okay, I'll write something, and you edit it. And it was a desperate parenting attempt to get him involved. And it worked, because he really enjoyed tearing my work to shreds which you know is Mm -hmm. fine his vocabulary is better than mine um but then I got a bit into that and so I wrote this whole is a middle grade fantasy because you know it's my favorite thing and they wanted to read it so as I read I wrote a chapter they'd read the chapter um and then I thought okay well what if we published this and then I wrote a chapter book and I was looking at what happens with the publishing process because I didn't understand it I'd never heard about agents I'd never heard about any of the process so I was so curious And I'm a bit of a let's throw it all out there and see what happens kind of person. So I thought let's throw this manuscript out there and see what happens because, I don't know, at the time um, I was unwell physically. I couldn't work anymore at uni. I was caring for my mother-in-law who was uh, undergoing chemotherapy. So I was quite trapped in my house. I was trapped in my body. I had no way out. And I think the books, the writing was allowing me to escape in some way and hyper-focus on something that was completely nothing to do with my life at all. And I jumped on that because, you know, if you can't actually run away, you run away mentally. So I had to run away from the responsibilities because let's just be honest, still a child at heart. So I went to, (laughs) sorry, I am getting to something practical, I promise. So I went to the YA Day in Brisbane in 2018 and it was, it was May, and I know that because I wrote it down. My sense of time is absolutely crap. And Steph Bow was there and Kath Crowley. Oh, my gosh, we were at the same day. Ellie Ma. Oh, right. No, it was freezing. No, no, I went to that one. It was before I went to Chat Did 10 you? Books 3 with your aunt, Caitlin. Oh, oh. I wasn't there, but you were, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. That is so freezing. funny. Oh. Oh, that's so exciting. My well, mum asked Ellie Marnie a question. <laughs> did she? I asked a question too. I think I asked Kath Crowley how she came up with her title. Oh, and I was really yeah. relieved. Yeah, because yeah, she, like, she was talking about how um, 
how it was a very different process from what you imagine because basically her yeah. publishers came up with the name of it. So <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. But and I so I was there and I was thinking that I was there because I needed an author experience to, sorry, I needed to sort of know what the author community looked like because I'd only ever seen academics. And I had booked just before that some sessions at the Children's and Young Adult Literature Conference, the CYA in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So I randomly booked things through the conference because it was familiar to me because as an academic, a conference is way more familiar than writing query letters and stuff I didn't understand. So I'd booked those sessions thinking I'd pitched the middle grade and chapter books and things. But I went to the YA day declaring I did not write YA loudly to everyone. Of course, I sat down and I chatted and I was sitting next to some lovely people and I was chatting away and we chatted half the day. And then turned out that was Tina and Sam who run the CYA conference. And I had (laughs) just been like, national, blah, 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 talk to anyone. It's Anna. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you're organising the thing I am desperately trying to understand here and their encouragement um, and also listening to Steph talk about own voices, which I'd never heard of, Mm. um, encouraged me to book more more, uh, pitching sessions and things at the conference. And so I did that and I was just blown away by the whole day and I thought, okay, now I've booked an editor review, you know, where they read 10 pages and get back to you. Mm. of someone who wants mm-hmm. a YA book and I booked to pitch to Danielle Binks and I booked to pitch to Alex Adset and, and Wombat Books and all these things. So I just booked everything I could find because I thought this is my one chance for a whole year. I better make the most of it. But I didn't have a, <laughs> I didn't have a book, right? So this is like one or two months away from the conference. So I just like shit myself. So I was like, okay, quick, have to write a book. So I started writing and writing and I wrote this Thing that turned out to be a 10,000 word novella, which is the one set in the near the Pennine Way uh, and all over the place, but it's magical, realist, it's super duper quirky, it's a little bit depressing. Well, it's very depressing, it's really sad, it always makes me cry. Never be published, right? What do you do with 10,000 words? Nothing. So I thought, okay, I can't pitch that because I couldn't write a synopsis, and if you can't write a synopsis, it's probably a really bad <laughs> book, right? <laughs> I was like, okay. Next piece of advice, write a better book, okay? And that is – people say that, and I'm sure everyone goes, oh, yeah, whatever. But do, just go and write a better book. So I wrote and I started – no, then I went to at Avid Reader and I, I booked a – I just was booking stuff, right? So I, I went to this book talk with um, Claire Keegan and she's an Irish author who I hadn't read, who writes short stories, phenomenal, award-winning, amazing, beautiful, long red hair, Irish accent, and we're all a little bit drunk because it was Avid Reader, and it was this hot atmosphere. So it was this, it, it was a night I'll never forget, and she sat there and she just said, you've got to go where the pain is and there's always loss at the centre of everything. And I just sat there and I was just like, oh, for goodness sake, she's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm avoiding something. You know, you get really angry when someone's right. So yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Far out. I've really got to do this thing. And I thought, well, this is probably the most honest I could be about this sort of period of my life. And then, but it had to be through a different lens. And I had these questions over over training of people. All that was going on. And I sat down and I was like, okay. So I just started to write. And I had about 45,000 words in about two weeks. And then Whoa. I spent, an, an, I know, look, 
I haven't done it again. Don't worry. <laughs> and then I had another I and I got this because the publisher asked for sort of, you know, some details on what happened when I was writing it and I had to go back and look at the file dates on Word, you know, when you save something and it has the date that you first open things in, uh, how you edited yeah. it. And I was like, oh, I knew it was quick, but woo. And then there was another <laughs> 6,000 and editing in the next week so that I could send it all to or send everything I had, the 10 pages, the synopsis. I had to know how it ended to the editor um, that I'd sent it, booked a thing with. And so then, yeah, I wrote it. And I had to go back and put in the flashbacks um, that was part of that 6,000 was the flashbacks that I didn't have in originally. And then um, I went to the conference and I pitched Peter Lyre four times to um, edit different sessions with the agents and editors and I got four requests to see it, uh, the full version. And actually the editor who'd read the 10 pages said, she just passed me a compliment slip and said, I just want to know what happens. And mm, so she had, the no, best compliment. She, had no, she had no edits. She's like, um, I don't have anything to, to say. This is, I just want to see the rest. <clears throat> anyway, in the end, I had a bit of a panic attack because I wasn't expecting it to go well. And mm. I don't know if you know what that's like, but I was so overwhelmed. I'd built up a huge amount of anxiety for that event. I didn't have heart medication at the time. And my heart rate is excessively high. It can rest at 140. And so when I'm stressed, it will go higher. Mm, so wow. I was probably at risk of a slight heart attack, but that's fine. So I had a bit of a panic attack. <laughs> so, like, no, when... no, no, hyperbolic, no hyperbolic statements there. Like, literally, you were probably at risk. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, never mind. Uh, no, I, I, went I think it's, the it's funny because – Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no. I, I was, was just, just saying, I just so walked down to that beach. You know, at South Bank, how they've got that beach in by the river. Yeah. Um, in South Bank, it's like a. Do you know the one? Anyway. Yeah. yeah and I love it. that's where my that's where my daughter was uh, and my husband and I just stood there and I just cried and he took me home. <laughs> but, <yeah>. I think <laughs> it is it is something that I definitely do. I, I'm, I'm prepared for the worst. I'm like, right, if this happens, I'll, you know, I've got all these plans in my mind for what happens if the feedback is bad or whatever. So yeah. when it's nice feedback, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, it's like you what underestimate yourself. Like I've, I've I, had that quite recently. And, like, people whose work I admire telling me they like something I did and I'm like, what? Mm. Really? Like, I, I don't, really strange. Really? Like, <laughs> it is bizarre. Yeah. I didn't think that would happen. But then I sent it off um, to everybody and then and Danielle got back to me um, and was obviously was keen to sign me up, so we had to withdraw it from the other editors and then they put it out uh, to pitch in March the next year because of Christmas gets in the way and all this, all timing, publishing timing. Mm-hmm. And then we had a couple of offers um, from publishers and – I just really connected with Alan and Unwin and Jodie Webster, who just got it. She got it straight away. And one of the first things she said to me, she, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, and she said, I just love that she can ski. I just love that she went there and she did it and she could ski really well. And I was like, yeah, of course she could ski. You know. <laughs> so Aww. I was like, okay, <laughs> she gets it. Like she knows, you know, what what it needed and, and what it didn't. And 
I was it was the best choice because they have just made the book so amazingly better and more refined. Um, and with Kate Whitfield, who edited the copy edit, and um, so that was just it was all just a really really phenomenal process. I just feel really really lucky that I had Alan and Unwin. Come in, I sound like I'm advertising now, but I'm not. I'm <laughs> no. just madly in <laughs> no, love with right. them. <laughs> that's so good. So, yeah. Oh, what a – I told you, we just love these stories, and that is a very good one. And, and it's why we this. do this. Yeah, it's so oh. cool. <laughs> well, the, the key being I followed the rules. I know this sounds really naff now, but Danielle Binks did an online tutorial, you know, where you kind of workshop thing. And she did it on how to pitch to agents. And so, and she knew I was going to pitch to her. So I said, is it too weird if I log into this before I pitched to her? And she said, of course you should. Why wouldn't you? And she just laid it all out there. This is what you should do. And everyone, everyone's telling you every step of the way what you have to do. And if you really listen hard and you really write a good book when there's a market for it, so there's got to have the two, you've got to have the two things there and you've got to meet criteria and if you listen to what they're saying in terms of how to communicate what you've got, um, then they're really more likely to hear whether or not they choose your book. They're more likely to hear what you're talking about if you followed those rules. And here's me saying, don't follow the rules. Do follow those. <laughs> Do follow those rules. <laughs> yeah, you've got to, it's, yeah. The, it's the right mix, isn't it, of following the rules and and also having your own personality because. You could follow those rules and not have your story. And I think the the thing that makes this book so unique is your voice and your perspective. And I just opened my I opened my computer and checked, and it was me who wrote who wrote that. So um, did you? I, I, yeah. So I I I do still absolutely believe that people are going to love Peter. They're going to want to fight for her and I said that she burst onto the page with Technicolor with raw honesty oh. with which makes me ache to know her and it's it's so true like it's so those honest. words just make me tear up every time <laughs> I've read them or I've heard them I've just thought that's the nicest thing to say but I have no God, idea anyone Michelle. would like Peter but see it's that's the thing like it's it's something that you've done and you've made and like it's you know, it's so true. It's you, you could follow all those rules, but you don't have that secret source, which is your ability to write this character well, that people fall in love yeah. with. Well, one of the rules is they want an amazing voice or they want something unique. So that's a bit of a dodgy rule, isn't it? Because it's like saying, <laughs> here's the rule that we can't explain to you, or here's a rule that we can't give you the ingredients for. So mm. that that is yeah. really difficult. Really difficult. Really bloody hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the bit that's like you've just got to have a little bit of magic. Yeah, I just want a second bit. So if anyone's got a second bit of magic for another book, (laughs) I'd love that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Quickly, Michelle, before you ask the next question, I just have Mm. to say one of my favorite things in the world is the amazing like words and adjectives that people use when they write book reviews like that. That's such a beautiful oh, review. Oh, oh, oh. Isn't it? Well done. Thank you. Well, see, I <laughs> felt like I had to live up to how beautiful the book was. <laughs> oh, I find this so Stop, hard to write I'm going to cry. Like oh, my God. Stop it, everyone. Oh, gosh. Oh. 
Oh, it's snowing. <laughs> I just looked out the window as we were talking. It's snowing <gasps> heavier now. It's getting a little bit it's heavier, snowing. which actually – as excited as I am about this, I do have a train to catch this afternoon. And Anna, you'll know how uh, dodgy the public transport oh, system is in England when there is any inclement weather, which is every day. So um, <laughs> let's hope I can still make it this afternoon. But um, yeah, honestly, I, I always feel such pressure to um, encapsulate ca- the feelings that a book has made me feel. And it, it happens, it happens like fairly frequently but also rarely like there are a few people whose work I admire so much that it just I'm like anything I say about it will sound inadequate um oh <laughs> so God. thank you for saying that too like it's just isn't that funny it's just it it's sort of like I mean this book obviously makes you realize as well that everyone views the world in a different way but there are things that unite us all and I think we all think that yeah. what we're what we're doing or what we're writing is you know, oh, probably not good enough or whatever. So it's just, it's funny. Everyone, everyone feels that way. And now we've got into this compliment cycle, but it's all, it's all true though. It's all true. And yeah, I always feel like it's such an honor. And I mean, especially in that situation where Danielle had asked me to read it, I felt so honored to be able to like peek behind the curtain and look at this book before it's published um, oh, and it was, it, it was by then, obviously, like it was, it was very polished. Like, God, there were like no spelling errors or anything. Yeah. Like it was extremely good. Well, that's 20 years of academic training. There you go. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it came out quite that. And we almost skipped the structural edit. So there was just a couple of little bits I added and we went to copy edit. So it that's was a amazing. really unusual process. No, you know but the other person a... who's made me feel that way and who had almost the same story and with Alan and Unwin too is Brie Lee. She also, I believe, didn't have a full structural edit on Eggshell Skull. So you're in wow. very, very good company. Well, it threw me because I was like, no, what? What? I didn't <laughs> understand. <laughs> no, this isn't in the rules. I'm yeah, not as advanced as Peter. She's much are, further ahead than I am. Edit everything. <laughs> but yeah, and also Frankenstein. I think reading Frankenstein gave me the feels, and obviously that's why I used it a lot in Peter Liar. But I had mm. that because it was like such a sad book. I always thought it was such a sad book, not a horror. And I think when I read Peter Liar, I feel that sadness of the monster so deeply. Um, and then, you know obviously realizing the monster is Frankenstein not the monster you know it's obviously a big Mm. point for me but yeah the books that make you tingle and make you feel something they're just the best but we love books so we're kind of you know pretty (laughs) crowd here (laughs) exactly like this is this is the book book podcast for book nerds so yeah (laughs) well our next question Anna, is to ask if you have any other book recommendations with neurodiverse characters or writers if people are looking to expand their reading in this area. Okay. Well, I would say always the one I'm the most excited about is my friend Kay Kerr, who has a book coming out at the same time as mine with Penguin um, called Please Don't Hug Me. And she's yes. it's an own voices autistic um, novel. Is it an autistic mm-hmm. novel? It's an own voices novel with an autistic voice. I can, I don't know how to say it. Um, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> we are also very excited for this book because she's also from Queensland, isn't she? She is. She's up at Noosa. Sorry, we we Brilliant. chat. We have fun yeah. because we're both as lost as each other. Um, <laughs> and we both, I should flag, we are both represented by Danielle, which is how we met. But we also would have met anyway at all the YA days. Uh, and she's been yeah. such a support. I don't know how I would have done this without her. But another one, and this isn't fiction, because does it have to be fiction? No, not at no, all. Anyone who not. wants to understand this a bit more. Okay. So the other one I really like is called The Reason I Jump. And I can't tell you the author's name because the book's too far away. And I think his name is, I believe he's from Japan. But it's mm-hmm. the boy has told his story and I think it's his uncle who has uh, written it down for him because he isn't able to do that. He's young, so he's probably he's like a young teenager. And it's just a series of questions and answers. So people are like basically, you know, why do you flab your hands? Why do you jump? And then he's given answers that just made me think, wow, you know, this is right from – this is his own voices as you get basically because it's written it's a young person writing their experience of why they do things and I just thought it really helped me understand my children it's really um and then helped me understand myself so that one I really like and I don't know if anyone even knows about it but uh, Mm. I really like I really like that one yeah and Queens of Geek and um Mm -hmm. how many others I'm trying to think what any other any others (laughs) We're struggling to find ADHD voices. I'm actually, you know, I'm always out for someone to tell me of a female ADHD. Obviously, Percy Jackson, I think, is an amazing representation of ADHD as part of a book, but not the central plot, Um, you know, not the reason for the book. It's about Mm. a character that happens to have ADHD. And also Percy Jackson just being great fun to read. Um, But I don't know very many books where it's actually stated so there are a lot of characters where you think, you know, like you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and you're like, well, Jake, honey, you need an ADHD diagnosis, darling. And you might find <laughs> that you have, you know, your tail won't be grey anymore. Um, so there are a lot of characters out there that we, you know, couch diagnose. It's a really bad idea with real people. Um, but there aren't many characters who are actually overtly, where the author is overtly stating mm that the character is neurodivergent mm. uh, and a lot of authors shy away from that and that's their right whether they intentionally um, used that sort of character type or not. But sometimes I think it's a bit of a cop-out uh, to escape the fact that it's not own voices or, you know, problems with representation. Um, so I think preference for own voices is definitely a good idea, mm. but that's I'm a bit biased in that. <laughs> but that it... But that it can't always be, and everyone has a right to privacy. So the minute you claim own voices, you've then exposed yourself to people knowing about your private life in a way you may not want to, and that's mm. totally good too. Yeah. And us asking nosy questions like, so how much of this is personal? <laughs> no, <laughs> I can tell you there's some things in the book. So, for example, the ski instructor, yeah, they're based on real events, some of those mm. little bits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, totally dodgy. Interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much for those recommendations, Anna. I'm sure yeah. that everyone will be, you know, looking these up and trying to find more books like this that we can read and then we can all recommend them to each other. 
because mm-hmm. you're right we need more of these more. in the world yeah yeah absolutely cool yeah and i'm out for them too if anyone has more mm. absolutely um, so thank you so much for joining us. We didn't ask you like half the questions we'd pre-prepared, but I think this discussion uh-huh. has been much more fun anyway. Okay. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 no, I derailed things. Really don't apologise at no... all. <laughs> you I derailed was, I was them worried. in such a good way though. <laughs> yeah. Like I was saying to Caitlin, like before I was like, I don't know if I'm asking and like, I don't know if I've got enough questions. So we sort of said, you know, we'll just see how the chat progresses. And you know yeah. what? The universe delivered. That's been a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful chat. Um, oh. Where can people find you online? And most importantly, when can they buy your book? They can buy the book. It's up for pre-order already everywhere. And it's in stores on the 28th of April. So but it's officially released in May. And they can find me. I'm mostly on Twitter at Anna Whaley, at Anna Whaley, not at Anna Whaley, and <laughs> on Instagram at Anna Whaley underscore writer. And I have my new vlog on YouTube. I don't know how oh, you find wonderful. that. Yeah, Anna wonderful. Whaley vlog, and it's about as random as you can imagine. I'm just starting. I'm having fun. Uh, so that's where I'm going to hang out there for a little while as well. I am on Facebook, but I'm crap at Facebook. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, thank awesome. you so much. Well, well, we'll have all those links and everything in our show notes um, as well as all the books we recommended, all of that for everyone to have a look at. So thanks so much for joining us, Anna. It's and been such a great you. chat. And early thank congratulations you for, for the release as well. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.